0: Welcome to The Muradoff Show. I am Jonathan Muradoff, a leisure property agent at DCL in London. The Muradoff Show is your opportunity to hear about the trends, challenges, and inside stories from some of the leading restaurant, bar, and late night venue operators, as well as landlords who own venues in the hospitality sector. Enjoy the show. I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Willingham, who I've had the pleasure of knowing for over 20 years. Uh, and I'm sure we all know um, our wonderful celebrity here from Dragon's Den, amongst other many interests that she's been involved in. And we're gonna to touch upon various topics in the leisure market today. Um, Sarah, just to give everyone a bit of background about you. Um, I recall over 20 years ago, when you were expanding the wonderful brand of Bombay Bicycle Club, where we'd get our hands dirty and go canvassing together. And you grew a wonderful group there and, uh, and sold out. And since then, you got involved with JJ Goodman. Um, you spotted the talent and created a great group of bars, the London Cocktail Club, which has been growing and flourishing over the past few years. There over 10 sites now under your belt, uh, amongst various other things. And I think the most famous, of course, is the Dragon's Den. What a fabulous, fabulous bit of entertainment. Um, and I think you've taught all of us quite a few lessons over many sessions over time. Um, Sarah, tell us, how, how are you getting on at the moment with all this uh, crazy excitement in the leisure sector?
1: Before I answer that, I've got to say, is it really 20 years? Is it? I can't believe that. You've just aged us both so much. You know, you used to be the first phone call and the last phone call that I would get in most of my day's work. <laughs> If my phone ever rang at 7 o'clock in the morning, I always knew that it would be you telling me about a really cool site that had just come on the market that I needed to go and see that day. <laughs> oh, is it, will it make me sound even older if I say those were the days? Well, you were 12 at the time, so it's all good. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's okay, it's a podcast. Nobody can see any different at all. We're fine. <laughs> yes, so obviously the last six months, wow. I mean, it's been... Hectic to say the least. I think it's so interesting because I spoke to different people during different phases of the of the last six months and you know, if you've spoken to me in the first two weeks, I was Wired, I mean, you know, like full of adrenaline trying to work out what this all meant and where we were going to end up and we closed all of our businesses. So London Cocktail Club, we closed very orderly on the Monday before lockdown. Um, I've also got an investment in a chair at Tonkotsu. So we've got lots of uh, Japanese ramen restaurants in London. We closed them also in an orderly fashion on that Monday. So I was very keen for us to do it before we were told to do it because I wanted it. I didn't know at that time that we would be given no if you know what I mean. I didn't want Boris sure. Johnson suddenly coming on at four o'clock and saying, right, tonight you're shut. Uh, yeah. And everybody's then got to lock down and get into their homes. So we closed orderly and then I think did what any sensible person with a business has done, which is absolutely regrouped down to the basic raw bones of the business um, and really looked at our P&L and said, Okay, this is the test. This is it. How resilient are we? You know, how much flex have we got in this model to allow us to ride this storm, which seemed at one point that it was never going to end. We didn't know how long it was going to end. Uh, And then, of course, July the fourth came, and um, and I guess as time went on, as you could see the lockdown starting to ease throughout June, you start yeah the phone calls started to come in again, and we were having lots small meetings where we're thinking right we are going to be allowed to open again soon how are we going what are we going to look like when we do open and and i think again like a lot of people and certainly sensible people will we will have just looked to reduce our break even as much as possible so you know literally going through every single line of that p l and saying okay where can we help with our cost of sales so in both businesses we've put in reduced menus um we've gone back to suppliers, they've helped us out with prices. So we've reduced a few points on our few percentage points on our cost of sales. The same with the labor, we don't need as many labor to run a smaller as as much labor to run a a smaller menu. Um, So again, looking to say, okay, if everybody goes on to hourly pay, what does that mean? And then of course, sadly we've had to make a lot of people redundant um, just like most people have. And then now it's I'm at the moment currently dealing with the kind of fixed costs line where that involves talking to landlords and saying, "Look, everybody else has helped us out. You need to help us out here um And I think that hopefully will give us a robust and sort of resilient business model to be able to go forward and say, "Look you know we can we can ride these storms We're, we've got cash in the bank. we can get through this. It's not forever uh." And people will always want to go out and have a drink, right? For
0: sure. For I think sure. we're both great examples of that, Sarah. Yes, exactly. What, it's what so good uh... that
1: we're sat... I wish we were sat <laughs> having a cocktail at the moment.
0: I totally agree. I would love to go to one of your bars right now and, and hang out there with you. Um, right. Tell me, you mentioned that you, uh, you've been touching on your f- fixed costs with the landlords. What kind of uh, response have you been getting so far? How have so, they been... How have reaction to you with that?
1: Yeah, very mixed, actually. What I found really interesting is the sort of big, big groups um, have been very unresponsive, very unsympathetic and very difficult to deal with. Uh, Whereas the smaller people who've got maybe one or two sites or maybe a little group of five sites or six sites have been fantastic, really open to discussions. They've really wanted to help us out. It's almost like Sometimes with the larger groups, it's almost like we've been getting, you know, a computer generated response. And sometimes I'll have meetings with people and then I'll get the response on email. I think, were we in the same meeting? That cannot possibly be your take home from that meeting. So that's still ongoing. And I think, you know, I, I just hope that, you know, I appreciate we have all got a business model we've all got profits that we need to make or we all need to break even. We all need to survive. And I appreciate that everybody that I speak to that needs to help us out also needs helping out. I do understand that, you know, there is a a flow of how this works, but I think that where I know just because I've spent so many years doing this, um, there are disproportionate yields being made out of property that actually I'm like, I know you've got a bit of give there. I know you can help us out here. Um, and the government did what they could as well to help with the the debt during the lockdown period. But I think on an ongoing basis, there should, where it's necessary, there should be more give because the reality is, is, you know, do you, do you really want the sites back? I think that's, you know, everybody's trying to avoid a CVA, but the reality is, is that unless the landlords help us out, that's gonna be the path that so many people end up being forced to go down. And I think that's, that's very sad.
0: Sure. I mean, as you can imagine here at uh, Davis-Coffer Lions, we've, probably, we've spent the past six months on an advisory basis. And a lot of the time was advising landlords and tenants and trying to come to an agreement. And I think it's so crucial, like you mentioned, that both, both sides come to an amicable solution, which is, which is best for everyone. Um, and I think at the beginning, everyone was a bit, you know, rabbit in front of the, the, the lights and not sure what was going on.
1: Yeah. But I
0: think as the months have progressed, we realise this is not going to have finish overnight, unfortunately. And uh, we're seeing a lot more deals being agreed where mm. tenants are staying and landlords are being very open minded as are tenants, and, and getting a solution, there, which I think is so crucial right now.
1: Oh, There's that's no cool. sides.
0: So... Uh, I really, uh, I hear what you're saying, and I hope we see a lot more of it. Um, I'm delighted we've got the results we have to date, um, but obviously there's a long way to go still. Um, I might need to call we- you
1: afterwards and get you to do some of my negotiations for me with some of these big landlords. You can help me out.
0: <laughs> it would be a pleasure, Sarah. Great. Uh, <laughs> um, and how how have you managed to utilize the, the furlough scheme? And Are you a fan?
1: Yeah, so I actually think that the furlough scheme was... Um, and I also think the back to work credit, as well at the end of the year, are both um, great. I mean, I really do. I think they've been crucial in saving so many jobs. Um, I think my fear, uh, like everybody else's fear, is going to be what happens at the end of at the end of October, um, sure. because I do think that we still haven't really seen the impact of. Kind of prolonging that agony over that period of six months, but I think um, I think it's not only saved a lot of jobs, I think it's saved a lot of livelihoods, families, mortgages, rentals, all kinds. so yes, I am a fan um, and we've used it across every single business
0: and in your amazing journey from over the past twenty years that we we spoke about, you had you know you've had a lot of uh, interesting moments in your career um which has been so successful throughout and everything you've touched has turned to gold I don't um, know about
1: that I don't know well, that's not true so... but... <laughs> do,
0: do tell us what the most exciting projects you've worked on oh, in your career so far
1: do you know what um it's almost an impossible question to answer because it kind of depends where you are in your life I mean you know, I honestly look back at our days when we were doing Bombay Bicycle Club with just so much joy. You know, we had so much fun doing yeah, that. I mean, so much fun. I just yeah. loved it. <laughs> and I learned so much and made, you know, lifelong friends from doing that. And, but it was pre-kids, you know, pre-husband. It was... <laughs> It was just pre, you know, that kind of pre-mortgage. It was just, it was pre, you know, that kind of, it's just just a different stage of my life. It was fine to do the 100-hour weeks and I loved the 100-hour weeks. Um, And I worked so hard on that. And then I think, you know, when I decided to sell the business, um, I just had my second baby and realized I just couldn't do it. I couldn't manage that many staff at that point had like 50, I was responsible for 1500 staff at the Clapham House Group. Oh gosh,
0: Um, yeah.
1: And I could, I just couldn't do that and be responsible for my family at the same time. It just, I couldn't work out how, how I could manage it. And I tried to put managing directors in and, um, and that worked, but it was still, I was still so committed because it was kind of my baby. So that was when I decided to sell. Um, and that was the most perfect thing for that time in my life. And then when I, I guess I started to have a family, um, you know, I realized again that I love business. I, re- I love our industries. I mean, the hospitality industry is the best industry in the world. I just, I love it, love it, love it. Best people, most fun most easygoing and it's just great and it's instant gratification because you can always see whether somebody's enjoying their cocktail or their meal or whatever i love it um and i realized i still wanted to be heavily involved in this industry but actually i didn't want another 200 staff being reliant on me getting up in the morning and i I, that was when i kind of made the switch to okay i'll be like an exec investor almost so that i'm i'm still very i can be still be very hands-on but I can't run the business and these businesses anymore. And that's when I moved to investing and actually it's been such an exciting journey with so many of the businesses and some of them haven't worked and some have been phenomenally successful. And you know, I've loved the journey and that really suits me now. And it's funny because somebody said to me the other day, you know, what do you want to, what more do you want to do? And I was like, I actually love what I do, you know, I love investing in particular in hospitality. I just love it. I love working with great people. I love growing these businesses. And, you know, I've realized over the years, I'm not the creator. I'm not, I've realized over the years, I'm not the creator. I'm not the, you know, you give me a four blank walls and I can't fill it. I can't create that magic that makes you want to go back in again tomorrow that, you know, it just, I don't know how to do it. But what I'm really good at is walking into somewhere and going, I could have 20 of these. I know exactly how to do it, but I couldn't do the first. Right. So that's actually been really exciting for me to go on that journey with other people. So, you know, I guess it's, and, and I've, I've also been traveling for the last, not last year, but three years before that with my family, which was also amazing. Um, really, it's really hard good. hard to keep
0: up with that. It's
1: so good. And of course, back then was awesome. You know, it oh. was, um, came out of nowhere great experience met great Can you tell people.
0: us about that you mentioned you love investment and how did that go into dragon's den I'm intrigued
1: it was well yeah it was so random um, I was doing sort of more I was doing kind of I had a regular on sky news and stuff at the time I was doing quite a lot of more like daytime TV really um, and I just it was just after Christmas and it was January time. And I sat down with Michael and I said, you know what, I don't know why I'm doing all this TV. I Don't even really, I don't, you know, I don't particularly enjoy it that much. And actually I really want to go back to kind of my grassroots and focus on my businesses. And I just like working with entrepreneurs. So I literally handed my notice in everywhere and said, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do any more of, um, I'm not going to do any more TV and, that same yeah. day, I kid you not, I got an email in my inbox from a producer at BBC saying, um, would you, you know, we'd like to talk to you about uh, being a dragon on Dragon's Dead. And I was like, no, I've just, Brilliant. just- <laughs> I'm like, I can't unsee that now. Like I've, I've now, Gosh. I've got to, that's the one show that would be so fun <laughs> to be on. Cause I mean, you just sit in an armchair, right? And 120 businesses. Perfect weekly. for you. Sarah. That. Like, <laughs> so happy people bring me great food to try all the time. <laughs> Somebody comes in with a gin concept. I mean, happy days, right? It's like the perfect thing. Sure. So anyway, I phoned up and then I thought, well, I'm never going to get it right. They, they screen tested so many women and I was just another screen test. So I was like, yeah, I'm in London next Monday. How cool. I get to meet Deborah Mead and that'll be brilliant. What a laugh. So off I went, um, it, you know, my backpack on trainers, I was off, a- brilliant, walking, yeah. <laughs> did this screen test. Great fun. It was really good. It was a guy pitching, um, I did it with Deborah. and it was a guy pitching, um, like what, what sort of choc- posh chocolate buttons, really. Posh chocolate buttons that you could then make into hot chocolate. And anyway, it was great. I loved it. You're uh, a chocolate
0: fan? Yeah.
1: I love chocolate. Yeah, it cool. always helps. And then, um, yeah, and then I got a phone call. I got a text message a couple of days later to say, oh, you've been shortlisted down to our last three. And the phone ah! thing, I even mentioned it to Michael, right, my husband. So I then said, you know that thing I did earlier this week? like we actually need to have a conversation about it because I'm down to the last three like what if I actually get it do I really want this that'll make me oh. like famous do I really want this <laughs> really I've just been trying to avoid tv why would I do this anyway so we had this whole really conversation did. we're like I can't turn it down if I get offered it because it's so much fun anyway and then it was great I did two, se- two seasons and we decided we were supposed to go traveling the following year Michael and I were and I said to him, "Look, having done the restaurant, which was that show ages ago with Raymond Blanc, a bit like The Apprentice but for restaurants, yeah.
0: um,
1: I had learned one thing, and that is you never just do one series because for the first series you're terrified, you've got imposter syndrome, you're like the new kid, new kid in town, nobody knows you are. It it's hard work. Can't be easy. You can yeah, really enjoy it. When you do a second series, you kind of." fit into your own shoes properly and I knew that if I did a second series I would I would enjoy the second series so the deal was I said to Michael right if I do it I have got to do two series Um, and then so that meant that we had to move our year around the world traveling with the kids back a year and that was the deal so yeah tough one tough call it it was it was a tough call but I did promise I wouldn't do a third series, so I did move <laughs> after two series and then off we went and went traveling and stuff, and you know, best thing I've ever done. So yeah, it was it was it was great. Really, I've got nothing but good stuff to say about my experience.
0: I love that, and I was so pleased you you went for it as well in the end.
1: It was really for good. All i say. It was brilliant. Gin Club, which is one of my um, investments off the den, is like so successful, and the guys are really cool brilliant brilliant guys one of them's from stoke happy days same as me and um yeah it's doing really well and i've oh love being part of that business love it so yeah really good stuff's come out of it actually as well as just good friends and good experience and but really good stuff
0: i'm so pleased to hear um talking about business where where do you see the leisure market now going forward over the next twelve, twenty-four months with all this all this change and you
1: yeah, know I'm constant rules and
0: regulations coming in for our sector in particular?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm very bullish, right? I think um so firstly, I think it will be a coal like we've never seen. Um, and I think we will lose some um I think we will lose a lot of quite average businesses. And I think we will sadly lose some very good businesses that just were not structured well financially. So that even though underlying, like fundamentally they're a good business um, because of their financial structure and the way that they've been acquired, they might be highly private equity backed and have a lot of leverage in there. Whatever it is, they will struggle to continue. And sadly, I think we will lose some some really good businesses as a result of that. Um, I think the market as a whole, those that survive, I think we will kind of reopen. I'm going to call it reopen because although we are open, we're not fully open, are we? Um, I think we will reopen with a bang. I mean, I think we will, I think August showed that actually. I mean, September's not the same, but August with the eat out to help out. I mean, even in London cocktail club where we didn't, we don't benefit from the VAT reduction. We don't, be, we didn't benefit from eat out to help out. But the fact, the fact that people were allowed out again, it was very obvious that there was demand there. You know, they they wanted to go out. September not so much. And I think now, I mean, I th- I am, you know, I think the next few months are going to be very difficult. And again, that is about making sure that you've got the most resilient business model uh, that exists and a lot of the people that will struggle are the ones that unfortunately have got the enormous fixed costs got these whopping sites um, and if they can't do a deal with their landlord they will be forced into into cvas and stuff but i think long term i'm not even long term medium term i don't know really how you define the difference between medium term and short term actually but i do think when we reopen we will reopen well so it, it it is about riding this period um, as much as possible. You know, the rates the rates have made a huge difference. Um, VAT has made an enormous difference to businesses that have benefited from it. Sadly, London Cocktail Club isn't one, but Tonkotsu is, and it's made an enormous difference to the bottom line um, as of the rate. So all of these things helping are great. I think where... I think businesses where the target market is a younger demographic will also um, boost quicker. will also, you know, they will get back on their feet quicker. I think the slightly older demographic will struggle for longer because I think there will still be restrictions on them uh, even once we start to open up again. So I think it's a really, it's a, I feel less terrified now I think than I did you know week three of March because week three of March I genuinely had no idea what was going to happen whereas now I feel like I kind of understand this awkward journey that we um, that we are on and I just hope that you know there are industries out there who you know have not even been able to open yet but that I just hope the government support continues I guess the biggest fear is that macro global recession. Um, but again, I think it will, the younger generation will be less affected by it in terms of their, you know, their overheads and, um, their desire, what they want to spend the money on. So although I do think we'll see a decrease in our ability to spend, I think, our desire to be social you know we are natural social animals I think our da- desire to be social will will never go I think we will it is nature it's it's absolutely in us so I think once we get when we get locked up and then let out again we need to be social.
0: That's a, yeah some very interesting points you've raised there and I, I hear the journey and um, I think it's been a very interesting journey and it does keep changing itself. What um, do you think? What do I think? I think at the moment it's, you know, July 4th came in, you know, the, the March, from March onwards, very very difficult. No one quite knew whether we're coming or going. Is it a short-term thing? Is it a long-term thing? And I think after that rent quarter, people started trying to work out, right, we've got to lock down, reduce costs and find solutions to survive. And it went into survival mode. Um, and I think over the past few months, we've seen that in action. Uh, I think the government has been, Uh, relatively helpful with our sector to help us get through that They understand the the challenges. Um, And obviously we are, you know, a few billion pounds for the sector, for the the government, so it's a very important part, uh, the leisure sector. Um, And I think now, you know, we're just starting to pick up from July 4th onwards. It was so exciting. Everyone was buzzing. We saw some great ideas from the councils, like Westminster Council, the outside seating, and they were very, very accommodating, which was a huge success in general. And like you say now September's just kicked in um, and of course the new 10pm curfew that kicks in I'm worried we'll really pour water all over that um, and is going to make it very very difficult again I hope that the government will recognise that and hopefully extend the furlough programme and various other you know styles of uh, of comforting the sector and making sure we get through it um, yeah, let's see what yeah. happens but I'm, yeah. I'm concerned I'm really concerned and I really hope they appreciate and understand the sweat and love we all put in. We're one massive big family in leisure and it's so crucial for the economy and for the country to keep us going. Mm. So I hope they, they get that right.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm really bullish about the future. You know, I think that uh, once this is over, the leisure industry will be more embedded and even more important than we've ever been. It's just, can we ride the storm? And I think, I, the the problem is going to be those that cannot those that, that if the sea bills were not available uh that cannot take on any more debt if the furlough isn't extended those that need a lot of cash to sustain their business is going to be problematic and we will fall into that category you know at london cocktail club we will um you know with a 10 p.m curfew whilst we've got really low break evens now you know we're making it as low as we possibly can and hopefully with the help of some of the landlords we'll get there um you know we take a significant proportion of our sales every night after 10 p.m
0: yeah i think we're going to see that challenge across the board especially for mm. the late night bars and clubs yeah have had you know such a challenging time to be closed for over six months and have no inkling of what kind of date they'll be oh. opening up again really tough um yet we know when when these operations are you know full-blown it's so successful uh, and so popular so i think that's going to be a really big problem that we must try and address and i'm very concerned but on a more positive note i think the one big word that comes out of all of this is opportunity i think whilst we all struggle and we have so many challenges and we're looking to survive i think those that do will be, there'll be tremendous opportunity out there to be able to build up groups going forward as long as we can see ahead over the next six to 12 months, et cetera. So I've for one, I've certainly been focusing on that and uh, making sure we, we continue the relationships with landlords and tenants going forward at Davis Coffer Alliance. And uh, hopefully we'll be sitting here again, Sarah, in, in a few months time and looking back and thinking we made it. We're yeah. in.
1: Yes, I hope so. I mean, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, as I said earlier, those that make it through, I think, the landscape is, 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 is really positive for people who make it through. I think there will be an amazing amount of property available. Um, I think pe- and p- there will be demand to go out. I think people will want to go out. So I, I agree with you. It's just, you've got to do everything you can to strip it all back and ride through this storm. Um, and I hope that more help is made available to our industry so that we can do that
0: if there was one piece of advice you would give the government, what would it
1: be? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, so I think the extending the moratorium is really important. Very important. I think extending the rates would be a real help. Um, extending the furlough would be even more beneficial to a lot of businesses that have not actually been able to um, who have not actually been able to open. I think it's recognizing that one size doesn't fit all. So taking those industries that are disproportionately affected and, um, treating those accordingly. I mean, the fact that they've closed us at 10 o'clock kind of, it scares me to death when we know that, um, you know, under 4% of, uh, it's under 4%, isn't it? Of, transmissions of ever ever, can be traced back to uh, a bar or a restaurant was it one percent one percent or four percent i can't remember but you know it's still the majority is still in care homes It's still in schools it's still amongst families you know it's not in our industry in fact it's the very few people that have been idiots to be perfectly honest not just customers but it's also bar owners that have been moronic and allowed um, those mass gatherings to take place that are now why we are, where we are, where our industry has been targeted. Because I tell you, if you come into a London Cocktail Club, everybody, everybody has to have a table booking. The tables are really far apart. If any tables merge, we kick them out. I mean, we are so on it. They are safe environments to be in. You know, they are, we are just like the majority of the hospitality sector it is our job to put the safety of our customers first. And we have gone out of our way to do that. So I think, you know, I would have liked to have seen the government actually put the most ridiculous fines on individuals and institutions and bar owners and pub owners that break the rules, because I bet you that would certainly stop them doing it afterwards. And I think that's, that's where I feel that that's the change I would have made now rather than shutting us at 10 o'clock.
0: I think that's a very, very good piece of advice, Sarah. And I, I totally agree. I think generally speaking with those who we are, you know, advising, et cetera, at the firm, uh, have been have been so on board uh, because of yeah. everyone's best interests. And, I, and I, it worries me slightly over here about all these raves and house parties that are going on, um, which is so problematic because it needs- It's worse when, us, it,
1: when it's in an establishment. That's the worst, <laughs> you know, a house party is an individual, but it's when it's in an establishment, then you know, shouldn't, have the, shouldn't have the opportunity as a bar owner to be able to do that. Sure.
0: Well, I hope people are going to become a lot more sensible. Um, uh, so I want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's, it's a pleasure. A thank pleasure. you for
1: having me on your podcast.
0: <laughs> and I look forward to 20 more years with a lot more stories together. But in the oh, meantime, yeah. let's have a cocktail before 10pm.
1: Yes, look God forward bless. to it. Take and care. Thank you
0: so much. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Muradov Show. We hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more episodes.